This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network. Thanks for being with me. This is the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Tell a friend, if you don't mind, the Macker is still flapping gums and has thoughts on the Southside baseball team. Is this the day I make my maiden voyage to the ballpark formerly known as U.S. Cellular Field? That's what it's always going to be in my heart and in my head to go check out the White Sox. Should I take the broom? Because the White Sox can send the Minnesota Twins, the AL Central leading Twins, back home with their tails between their legs or wherever the Twins are going this weekend. I don't know. I'm not that interested, but I am interested in this. The White Sox have caught fire. They've won three in a row. They'll win this series against the Twins because they've won the first two, and they can sweep them out of here today. The weather looks like it's going to be pretty nice. There's a little bit of a chill in the air, but hell, it's still very early in the day. My assumption is there will be no lines and no waiting at the concession stands or in the restrooms at the ballpark. So maybe I go see Lucas Giolito try and bring down that lofty 4.15 earned run average and maybe even up his record at 2-2 two and two on the year, facing the hard-throwing right-handed Venezuelan Pablo Lopez, who goes for the Twins. It is fun for me to listen to White Sox fans bitch or listen to manufactured bitching about what the 87-year-old owner said earlier this week on a Rachel Nichols-hosted panel. Oh, that's fun. And what did Reinsdorf really say about Sox fans' expectations? Just be in it, basically paraphrasing what Jerry said that got everybody all upset. He says is what White Sox fans are looking for is to be be hanging around in the last month of the season where you got yourself a chance. Be a, be a second-place team. Basically, he's just, just compete. And he's not wrong. He's not wrong. But, you know, if you say, well, if that were the case, the ballpark could be full. Well, the ballpark wasn't full when you had your best season in 05 either. It took a long time before people started filling the South Side edifice. And uh, I don't expect that to change anytime soon. It's a smaller fan base. I think people got to realize that. I think people have to expect that it's not a happening. Uh, it's never going to be a happening on that part of town. It's just not going to have the draw that some other ballparks do. It's not an event like a Cubs game is, or like a Bears game, because there are so few of them each and every season. The Sox are never going to draw big numbers. They have a smaller fan base. So this is what they are, and they operate on a mid-level market budget. And they do the best they can with that budget. Is it good enough? No. And should Reinsdorf fire Rick Hahn now in his 11th season? Yeah, probably. He's only had two teams 
that have been above the 500 mark since he took over in 13. They're not very good. They've underwhelmed. They've their their method of of constructing a roster has been fatally flawed as it has been for decades with few exceptions. The go-go socks, you know, rebirth in zero five, if you can call it that Aussie ball with Scott, Petsednik was an outlier. The white Sox have always lined up sluggers one after another, hairy chested thumpers in 83, 40 years ago when the Sox won the then American League West, well, it's still the American League West, they're just not in it, by a record number of games, I think 19 games or 19 and a half games, they won the division that year, and that was Kittle and Luzinski and Fisk and Baines. It was sluggers. It wasn't speed on the bases and nice tight defense. It was a real good offensive team. That's what good Sox teams have been. That's what they were again in 93 when they played the Blue Jays in the ALCS and lost in six. Frank Thomas very early in his career. Maglio Ordonez when they win the division in 2000 with Frank and with Paul Canerco, with Carlos Lee. This is lumber in the lineup. This is who the Sox have been historically the Tim Andersons of the world, the Tadahito Aguchi in 05, whose name I heard mentioned on the radio this week, made me smile. He had that big bomb against the Red Sox in the opener, I think against Matt Clement, when the Sox scored, what, 13 runs in game one of the DS against Boston at the cell. They're just, they're improperly constructed. They have players who don't stay healthy. That's not necessarily on the GM. You, you couldn't see Luis Robert, now Luis Robert Jr., now that he's hit his sixth home run, the big bomb yesterday in the first to get it started. <laughs> it went 420 feet. So uh, belatedly happy 420 for all of you who partake in God's green earth. Uh, it's it's not the management team's fault. These guys are are injury prone. You couldn't have seen that coming with Yoan Moncada when you made the trade. It's not on management. Eloy Jimenez, you couldn't see that he was going to be a disaster and never be a. You probably could have seen him not being much of uh, of a nimble footed left fielder but you didn't think he would fall apart like he has with hamstring injury after hamstring injury and playing in fewer than 45% of his team's games over the last two years and what we've seen of this year. But after their 6-4 win over the Twins Wednesday, the White Sox are now 10-21, and taking, taking that three-game winning streak in today's getaway date against the Twins at the cell. They're only a minus 62 in run differential right now. After this surge, they can pull to within two games of 500 at home with a win today. Let's go to the ballpark. Shall we? Let's go. Let's go fill that place. Well, fill a section of it. I couldn't pick up the phone and find three friends, maybe not even one friend. My buddy who doesn't work, 
at least he doesn't work at a job. He's a stay-at-home dad. He you could call him a domestic engineer, if you will. That's being respectful, like Clark Kellogg. That's how he refers to his wife as a domestic engineer. My buddy Fitz, he'd go to the Sox game, but he's he's in love with his new lake house. So he's not around. And typically, before they bought the little roundhouse out on Koontz Lake, uh, I could pick call up, call him and say, let's go play nine holes. And uh, we're out at Wicker Park in Highland, and we're playing golf in 15 minutes. I'd go to a Sox game on the spur of the moment. He's a Soxy guy and sometimes a sexy guy. Uh, he's not around. And uh, my buddy who has seasons, who's always asking me for help to subsidize his tickets, me and others, Vanzo, I, I don't he'd be mad if I called and said, let's go today because I never accept his invitation for paying for, for seats today. They would be available for pennies. I imagine at the door, but uh, I I won't get mad at Jerry Reinsdorf for things. He says, because I'm conditioned to this. This is 30 plus years, 40 years of listening to Jerry Reinsdorf. He is not skilled in front of microphones, he does himself damage almost every time he speaks publicly, which is why he prefers to bunker down and stay away. It would be in his best interest, but what's it going to hurt? Sox fans who were planning on going to the next homestand or they got tickets for the Cubs series down or whatever it is. They're not going to go now because look what Reinsdorf's done. I've heard this week. Look what he's done now. Now no one's going to go. No one already goes. There's already a nobody go, and Sox fans will go to be unhappy because Sox fans, as a group, are very dysfunctional. And I can say that because I'm among them, and uh, I, I don't criticize as as vociferously as Sox because I just don't care that much. And I, I understand, I think way more than Sox fans do that only one team wins every year and how difficult it is to be a winner in professional sports. It is incredibly hard and, and they've made it harder than it should be. It's true that since they won the world series in 1918, the Sox have won three playoff series, all of them in zero five. That is one of the craziest little nuggets. I picked up on this a few weeks ago. Uh, Sky Point to Oak Park Vandy on my terrestrial show. Those wins against Boston, Anaheim, and the Astros in the 0-5 playoffs are the only three playoff series in Sox history where they have won. <laughs> uh, but But you can't beat fun at the old ballpark. And uh, it may not be warm enough for a lemon chill today, but I am considering putting down the saw because I was I was trimming, pruning some trees yesterday and getting rid of dead branches. And uh, I may retire the saw today and go to the ball. I ain't going to the ballpark. You know, I'm not going to the ballpark, but it's fun. It's fun to hear White Sox fans complain. They are more entertaining than the team is itself. NFL schedule next. I'm Dan McNeil, and you're listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Podcast Network. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe if you've not done so already. You can do it anywhere you get your podcast, and tell a friend. The Macker isn't done sharing his deep sports thoughts with you. You can find me twice a week. Typically on Monday late mornings we drop, and then again later in the week on Thursday. I'm Dan McNeil, and I am not finished saying things about stuff.
It'll be a week from today when we find out who plays whom on which day and which nights for the 2023 NFL season. The Bears have their opponents, of course. We've known those for a couple months now, but we are going to get the official dates and assignments one week from today, which means I very likely will want to do the podcast Thursday night or Friday morning next week to react to it. So for those of you who are driving to Pickleball um, on Friday morning, if it's not dropped yet, that would be why, because I'm waiting to react to what, what news we get with the NFL schedule. We know this much about the 2023 Bears. Matt Eberflus in year number two will play host to the three divisional teams, the Lions, Packers, and Vikings, just like they have road games, Lions, Packers, and Vikings. Oh, my. Also at home this year in the final several seasons of Soldier Field, you get NFC opponents Atlanta, Carolina, and Arizona. Those are, you know, I hate to say this, not knowing who's standing and who's not, who's developing and who's not. Based on last season, those are all winnable games. They should win all those games, all three of those games. Atlanta, Carolina, Arizona, all underachievers last year. I know the Bears lost war. They they lost the most games in the league. But Atlanta's quarterback quit with about six weeks to go. Marcus Mariota, they still had a better better passing numbers than the Bears without their best quarterback for six weeks. But Atlanta is is not a threat. Carolina, are you kidding me? You really believe in Frank Reich? I do not. I like Matt Rule before him. Frank Reich will fall on his face for completely different reasons, but that's not going to work. And the Cardinals in, in restructure, new coaching staff, no Kyler Murray. Well, we don't have the schedule yet, but it's it's unlikely he's going to be available for much of it. Also at home from the AFC, Denver and the Las Vegas Raiders. Those also are winnable games. And that should win games. I would call Atlanta, Carolina, and Arizona should win games. And as far as the Lions, Packers, and Vikings go, I don't know. It's hard to say. Divisional teams don't know what's what yet. Packers don't have Aaron Rodgers anymore. Um, so that one is is way more even than you would think in, in a typical year because finally the Favre-Rodgers era is over and it's Jordan Love time. Vikings will be favored over the Bears, most likely at Soldier Field, and maybe the Lions will be too. I don't know. Lions in their interesting draft. On the road this year for the Bears, Detroit, Green Bay, Minnesota. They've got to go to Kansas City. Man, there are some good road trips for Bears fans this year. This is why next week will be so exciting for a lot of us who like to do this sort of thing. And I haven't done it in years, but I think it's time to rectify that. Road dates against the defending champion Chiefs at Arrowhead, the Chargers at the Palace in L.A., SoFi. I want it SoFi. Ooh, ooh, ELO, anybody? Uh, New Orleans, which I have never really gone to just to hang in. I've always done New Orleans on work trips. And, yes, we played on work trips one time, so absolutely annihilated. I almost fell asleep in Dan Patrick's lap. Um, but that's, that's a story for another day, but I've never, I've never gone there just to hang out, maybe go to a game and just relax for a weekend. Maybe when the bears are at new Orleans, maybe LSU will have a date 
the previous night in Baton Rouge. Wouldn't that be a good double dip? The Bears are at Tampa this year. That If that game falls in November and December, that is an awesome getaway to a warm weather climb. Used to do that back in the uh, early days of sports radio. When Mike Greenberg, yes, the same Mike Greenberg who's making $8 million a year, something like that for ESPN now, he and I would trade uh, trade shifts because I my father and stepmother lived in Tampa in the early 90s and until, until, I don't know, around 2011, 2012, maybe even a little bit later than that. But I would, instead of hosting in the studio pregame show with Doug Buffone, I would do what Greeny did on the road with the Bears, and I would go to Tampa so I could see my dad work the locker room, book some guests for my own show, and give Greenberg a taste of hosting. And obviously that's what sprung him, right? So Tampa's always a good trip that time of the year when it's November. And the uh, elevator operator at the old, uh, the big sombrero would be wearing gloves when the temperature's 52 degrees. And not just old people either, whose blood is thinner and that uh, they get colder easier. Just young people too. They're just not used to it. And uh, the Bears also play in Cleveland and in Washington in that awful FedEx field that Wayne Larravee hates so much, but against Ron Rivera and the commanders. So that's, that's a potential date too. pop quiz on the bears draft. Do you remember all the names from last weekend? I'll bet you remember the name of their first pick, the 10th overall, the tackle from Tennessee, Darnell Wright. Can you name either of the defensive tackles they picked with their first 64 picks, the first 64 picks in the draft. They got a tackle out of Florida. DT had a tackle of Florida in the second round, number 53 overall, and number 64 overall, a DT out of South Carolina in the third round. Do you remember their names? Neither did I until this morning. Gervon Dexter is the Florida kid. Zach with an unnecessary second C. Z-A-C-C-H Pickens is the kid from North Carolina. Those are your new defensive tackles. In between those crunchy cookies uh, at 53 and 64 was the 56th player chosen in the draft, cornerback Tyreek Stevenson from Miami. Other names you need to remember, Roshan Johnson, the fourth rounder, the running back out of Texas, and also in the fourth round, the wide receiver from the University of Cincinnati, Tyler Scott who was the 133rd player drafted. And there was hand-wringing over that. I can't get too upset about somebody picked at 133. Hockey is here. Playoff time. I was hoping the New York Rangers would win Game 7 against the Devils the other night, but they absolutely shit the bed. They were terrible. The the Devils won the game four to nothing. It was Game Seven, of course, and uh, I, I, there was no scoring until the middle of the second period. New Jersey easily could have led that thing three to nothing after the first twenty minutes. I watched the first period. I couldn't believe how many turnovers the Rangers had in their own end, and Patrick Kane was very lazy on the boards a couple of times. He wasn't as victimized as other Rangers stars were on a plus-minus sheet. But, God, they could have given up some they, – they could have lost that game 7 to nothing. The Rangers were absolutely pathetic Monday night. Just terrible. 
And so, uh, you, you know, or that was Tuesday night. I, it, no, it was Monday night. And immediately shifting from hoping the Bruins win, I'm like, okay, I got to root for an original six with no other dog in this fight, unless it's Detroit probably. So I root for the Bruins, and they get they get knocked out, even though they won 65 games. And I root for the Rangers because they have Patrick Kane. And now I am scrambling for a team to root for. I think I'm going to root for the Maple Leafs, and I'll tell you why. It's pretty easy. If you're one of those who has the ability to have empathy for a fan base, then this should be your team. Toronto is where the NHL's Hall of Fame is. Toronto is is not representative of the Ontario I know in Canada, and I've yet to go to Toronto, but I know a ton about it, and I've obviously seen it in film and, in, and looked at it before in other ways. It is way more cosmopolitan, of course, so is Northwest Indiana, than the part of Ontario I visit two and a half hours north west of International Falls, Minnesota. That's a different part of the world. That's closer to Winnipeg, Manitoba. The province of Ontario covers much of the country. And when you're this far west, I mean, Toronto is way over on the other side. Think Buffalo, New York, Western New York. Toronto's right there. I could drive to People say, how come you never go to the Hockey Hall of Fame when you're in, uh, in, in Ontario? Well, because I'm in, I'm in a different part of Ontario. I could drive home faster than I could drive to the Hockey Hall of Fame. I live 800 miles from Andy Myers Lodge in uh, Vermilion Bay. That's where I've been staying since 2013 in the year of our cup. But it's very important. Hockey is, is hugely important to the people in Toronto and they have not had a winner. Do you realize this original six team has not hoisted the cup since May of 67? Man, that is when you don't have other teams and they have had some success in baseball and in the NBA, but when you don't have Sports that are as integral to the culture there as hockey is, those teams are not going to matter. The Raptors were not going to matter to the same degree the Maple Leafs ever could. It just was, it's not part of the culture there. Hockey is. And this is a fan base that has been starving. It has been through so much and so many good players who've come through the doors. In, in Toronto, but no hardware to show for it, dating back to, geez, we were just getting over the blizzard of 67 in May. All the snow finally melted in the, the great blizzard of 67 when the Maple Leafs were hoisting the cup early that, uh, that spring. Punch Imlock was the head coach. I, I, I challenged myself uh, earlier this week. I said, all right, how many members of the 67 Maple Leaf Cup winners? So my answer is I, I'm rooting for Toronto in the series. They're down one game to nothing against uh, Florida, I believe. I think they're playing Florida. Uh, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> it's either Florida or Carolina. It's like, man, the Vegas Knights are part of this. Really? The Seattle Kraken. So you got to root for the Maple Leafs. So I challenged myself, how many members, Mackie, can you name of the 66, 67 Maple Leafs? And I got more than I would have guessed 
I didn't know former Blackhawks wing Jim Pappen previously before he came to the Hawks. Pappen played with the Maple Leafs. In fact, he was one of their leading goal scorers that year. Um, Pappen number eight. Uh, I, I knew Frank Mahovlich. I knew Davey Keon. I knew Pete Stepkows, uh, Stemkowski and I, I, Terry Sawchuk. I took a shot that he was still in uniform, and he was their legendary goalie. I didn't know Eddie Shack was a part of the mix. Clear the track. Here comes Eddie Shack or the donut man, Tim Horton. Red Kelly. I, I didn't know Red Kelly was a part of it. I did know Bob Pulford, the former Hawks GM, would have been on that Toronto squad. I was right about that. But I started watching the game in the late 60s, and some of these guys still were on the Maple Leafs roster. And the Leafs, obviously, they didn't win another one since 67, never got to that level of greatness, but still had great players, and it made it interesting for a young fan to watch. Of course, in that era, too, when I first started watching, there's only 12 teams in the league, and Philadelphia fans and uh, Pittsburgh fans love to refer to the Flyers and Penguins as part of the original 12. Uh, NHL expansion in 66 and 67, adding those two cities along with uh, St. Louis, Bloomington, Minnesota got the North Stars, Vancouver got the Canucks, and I think the LA Kings were also part of that expansion. Maybe the Golden, uh, not Golden State, but the uh, California Golden Seals a year or two later. They were a short-termer in the league. But, uh, yeah, the original 12, the original six, by the way, is inaccurate. Did you know there originally only were four teams in the NHL and the Blackhawks and Red Wings were not among them? It's true. You could look it up if you want to. They started calling it the original six once they got some American involvement with Detroit, New York, Boston, and Chicago. But previously, there were two teams out of Montreal. The NHL was formed, and there were four teams. One of them didn't even finish the second season. Two teams were in Montreal. I think one of them was way on the other side of Canada in Vancouver, B.C., and there was a team somewhere in the middle. Maybe Ottawa had a franchise, a Toronto Hockey Club Sounds sounds right. That was another another team that existed in the early days. The Montreal Maroons, George Hainsworth between the pipes before the and actually he was part of the original six. But uh, I'm talking about the original four here. So a long way of saying this, and I apologize for being so verbose, but I'm trying to get back into hockey because there's nothing like playoff hockey. You keep seeing that all over social media which is accurate. Man, there's another Game 7 tonight, and the Game 7s have sucked. There was one good one, and um, the one the one the other night between the Rangers and hoping Patrick Kane gets another chance to hoist a cup, that thing was awful. I didn't need to. You know, it, it was so one-sided after one period, and it was scoreless, and now the Devils are down one game to nothing in their, in their semifinal round of the conference, the uh, conference semis so we'll see if they uh they can move forward but i'm rooting for the maple leafs to resurrect the thrill ride that eddie shack once gave them thank you very much for listening to the podcast adam delavid is the man who makes everything happen for bet rivers podcast network i am produced by sam michael and i will return monday building a bridge to the nfl announcing its schedule next week have a great weekend everybody i'm dan mcneil Thanks for listening to the Danny Mac Podcast on the Bet Rivers Network.